Hallelujah. That was powerful. Praise God. We, uh, we have one perception on uh, what it was like for Christ to come. But what a, a glimpse into what um, the angels may have been dealing with. They knew who he was in his fullness. They knew him. Um, and yet, to see him come forth in such a, a manner as he did. Wow. Thank you for that presentation. That was beautiful. For opening our eyes to uh, another glimpse into Christ, the transformative work of Jesus Christ coming to earth as an infant. We are, um, we are blessed to have the scriptures to guide and direct our lives, to shape us, to give us insight. <laughs> For those that were present at the birth of Christ, Every moment was filled with awe and wonder. And in some ways, we, um, we forget about that. And yet, every day that we have an opportunity to get up in the morning, we have an opportunity to experience the awe and the wonder of the presence of Christ in our lives. But we must look for it. We must look how, uh, how Christ interacts with us today, how He is choosing to manifest Himself in our lives, in our, uh, in our uh, day-to-day goings and comings. And so... Uh, This season, probably, this Christmas season this year, has been more about what Christ did for us inside of me, probably than any. And, uh, and I've walked with uh, God for a few years now, and yet there has been a, a, a special presence of His that um, I've experienced, that I've encountered, that has uh, really uh, moved me and shaped me. Some of it is because of the internal workings of the Spirit of God inside of me. As He continues to mold me and shake me, uh, as He continues to try to bring me to a place that He can um, more fully use, I realize that I'm becoming aware of new aspects about who he is you know scripture says that his mercies are new every morning there is an aspect about God that as we awaken to the awe and the wonder as we open our eyes and our ears uh, to how Christ can be fresh and new to us every day there is something new that begins to happen inside of us that cannot be um, controlled that's been a huge issue for me in my life. Throughout my life, I have been a person who seeks control. I like, it doesn't take much being in my family to know that I, I like controlling all the things that are going on. And uh, 
I, I used to think that I surrendered that control to God years ago, but I realize um, I give, I've given a portion of it to Him. Um, I think I give Him enough that makes me feel as if I've given it away. But I realize that I still hold on to so much of that control because of a fear to surrender everything to God that He desires. Is there anyone else that struggles with fear? (laughs) To surrender everything to God? (laughs) I I used to think there was nothing left to be afraid of. I I surrendered my life to Christ at 16 and I, I... I left and went to Oregon and I've been to South Dakota and it's like, God, where else can you take me? Where else? I feel like I've said I will go and do whatever you have for me. And yet, God continues to say it's not about going and doing, it's about being. (laughs) Control isn't about God sending me out to do something. It is about what He desires to do in me. The internal conflicts, the internal struggles, the pain, the anguish, all of the things that I have struggled through and struggled with, God is continuing to say, surrender them to me. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. think, God, what do I do when I turn over everything to you? Will I be enough? Will you still love me when you know all there is to know about me? God continues to say, I already knew. I already knew all there was to know about you. And I still sent my son for you. holding out for what are we still waiting on expecting As I think about Emmanuel, God with us, a 
Last week we talked about that word with and how it communicated not just a physical presence, but a being in common with that Christ came and he lived as we do so that we would understand that the pains and struggles that that each of us struggle with Christ's experience while he was with us. He was in common, and yet he was the Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us. He desires to be with us every day of our lives. If we would simply invite him in. feel good. In a book called 1000 Gifts, Ann Voskamp talks about um, her struggles. Um, some of her earliest memories, this tragic loss of a her little sister as um, she died in the arms of uh, her father after being run over um, by a truck. She talks about uh, friends, close friends of theirs that had lost two young children to a terminal illness, one at four months old and one at five. She writes about how these encounters, these experiences, caused her to come to a place of saying, what if we could rewrite the stories of our life? I, I don't think there's any doubt for those of us that are gathered here today that we believe in a God that is writing the stories of our life. That there is... There is someone involved in every detail, in every moment. And, and yet there are situations that come about in our lives that, that we don't like, that we can't control, and yet we still know and believe in a God that is present, involved in our lives. But how do we align ourselves to a, a life story that is being written that involves such painful things. Such painful situations. It's because we see in part right now. We don't know everything that's going on. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And yet we want to control our lives. How dangerous is it if God were to truly surrender full control to us when we don't know what's going to happen in five minutes? And God, Scripture says, sees the beginning from the end. God knows every day. He knows every detail about who you are. 
And yet there are times we think he's not doing an adequate job of writing our stories. As I reflect on this this subject of this topic of Emmanuel, of God with us, I'm reminded of another passage going back to the book of Ruth. Chapter 2. Today I'm going to spend time in in the book of Ruth just a little bit and a little bit in the book of Matthew. The thing that I think is important for us to understand is that there is roughly 1,100 years separating these two writings. There's a couple days in there. And yet, God has been able to weave His story in this 1,100 period of time as well as longer than that. But this specific incident right here Separated into an 1,100 year period of time where his story began to unfold in new detail. Ruth chapter 2, picking up at verse 1, it says this, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Lemanek, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. Interesting, God's timing is a thing of beauty as we look at these things. Just as Ruth goes to glean, Boaz shows up. And he greets the harvesters with this greeting, The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Matthew, would you find me some Kleenexes? I'm going to need some. Thank you. All right. The Lord be with you. I think... This is a fascinating passage of Scripture because it it really is our introduction to a romance, a love story. Boaz and Ruth fall in love. They have children, and you'll see where this is heading in just a, a few moments. But I don't know how many of you can remember back to your dating days. Can any of you remember that? Did... Did any of you have a, a pickup line? Some of you are, are grinning. Um, I don't need, I honestly can't remember if I had a pickup line. I, I didn't date many people in life. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you don't have to laugh about that. But uh, Just imagine uh, Boaz's pickup line, the Lord be with you. 
I don't know if that would have captured a whole lot of women's hearts. Um, But in this moment, Boaz is simply speaking the blessing of the Lord. The Lord be with you. It's like saying, Emmanuel, come. But the relationship of Christ traces itself back to this communication. The Lord be with you as a catalyst for what Christ was going to do 1,100 years later. I want to look in Matthew now. Specifically, we're going to get into verse 5. And reality, it's how many of you really spend a lot of time reading genealogies? You know, in the Scripture. There are books about genealogies. And a lot of times we get to them and we read one and then skip to the end. In, in Matthew 1, 5, and 6, it says, Salmon, however you want to pronounce that, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. So Boaz and Ruth were the great-grandparents of King David. Now jumping down to verse number 18, it says, And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ruth, Boaz, the fulfillment of a prophetic moment. See, we look at our moment today and we think so minuscule. We think in such a a manner that simply isolates today and what we feel and what we believe and what we're going to experience and we miss out on god is is weaving a story through our lives that will touch generations and generations how many of you are here because of a grandparents prayers or a great grandparents of generations of people that came before you that began to speak into your life long before you ever showed up, God showed Himself faithful on your behalf. How important 
are genealogies. Genealogies begin to set the groundwork for God's prophetic edge coming throughout the Scripture, revealing time after time that God's Word is true. God's genealogies, when you start layering these, they begin to establish a foundation that our faith is able to stand on. How important is it? We're able to see the fulfillment of God's Word 27 generations later. Jesus comes into the picture. How important is one moment? Church, it makes all the difference. You are here because of God's fulfillment of His Word, of His prophecy. But one of the things that we don't always consider is this miraculous moment in the lives of Ruth and Boaz that set the stage for Jesus to be born was a miracle. You look at Ruth... And she was the recipient of an of a ugly situation. Her husband died. Her, her mother's, you know, um, her mother-in-law's uh, husband had died. Her, her, you know, her, you know, her mother's, her mother-in-law's two uh, sons died. And so you've got all these individuals in the midst of this, this tremendous grief. And, and Naomi had said to Ruth that you guys all need to go home. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. <laughs> she said, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem to my people. And Ruth says this, this beautiful piece that I will not leave you. I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And this miraculous moment in the life of Ruth set the stage for God to do something amazing in the bringing forth of Jesus Christ. But it took individuals who were willing to embrace an uncomfortable situation, a difficult situation, to see the fulfillment of what God desired to do. Do you know that miracles are messy? Now, <laughs> children are a miracle from God. Here are two of my four. Now, I praise God I don't have any diapers to change in them. And, and my, praise God, and my three grandchildren that live with us right now and are fourth on the way, I've changed all their diapers. Um, miracles are messy. How many of you cleaned up after someone's sick? And all those things. Miracles are messy. And every day that I am able to be with them, I get to celebrate the miraculous presence of God. But I cannot detach myself from the mess that comes with experiencing the miraculous. I've got to be willing to embrace it all. And I think about Joseph. In our passage, um, as Joseph is finding out that Mary is pregnant, he begins to think that he would, he would spare her some of the pain and he would divorce her 
quietly. He would, he would divorce himself from this situation, hopefully removing some of the embarrassment that was going to come because she was pregnant before she was married. And the, the angels showed up, and we understand that, and, and he begins to tell him that this thing is of God. And Joseph had to make a decision. Was he willing to be present and to be part of a miraculous event that was going to unfold or was he willing going to divorce himself from it and so many times in our lives today we are confronted with relationships with situations that are difficult that are messy and we want to divorce ourselves from them and as soon as we do that what happens is We prevent God from doing a miracle in that situation. Church, I I think of Joseph in this moment of his life. He was excited about marrying Mary. And now his entire life was going to change. And in that moment, he made a decision to embrace the miraculous even in the midst of the messiness of the life change. If you think that your life will remain the same as soon as you decide to follow Christ and and pursue the miraculous. See, if if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are pursuing the miraculous. You cannot be in a relationship with Christ without an understanding that you are pursuing something that is miraculous. He came from God. (laughs) Virgin birth. God incarnate. And when you choose to worship Jesus Christ, you are pursuing the miraculous and you must be willing to open your life to the miraculous happening in your life, and it's going to be messy. I can tell you from the moment that I had an encounter with Jesus Christ at 16 years of age in a a small town, West Alexandria, you know, half hour, 45 minutes from here, my life has never been the same. And I can guarantee you there's been a lot of things that have been messy along the way, that have changed my life. But the thing that it keeps coming back to is this whole avenue of control for me. One of the things that scares me as I encounter more about who God is and who He desires to be in my life is I have to surrender more and more control to God. (laughs) And it is uncomfortable to come to that place of fully saying, God, I will go where you go. I will stay where you stay. I will say what you say. Every day is a new opportunity to live out a new level of of life in God that will challenge 
our very being. And yet, it is the most exciting time in my life. I would think at this point, um, I'm 52, and I've been, work, I've been walking with, with God since I was 16. I would think that at some point you come to a place of feeling like there's nothing else to be excited about. Now you don't have to be you don't have to answer this, but sometimes when you get involved when you're married and you've been married for any length of time, sometimes some of the excitement is gone in the marriage because you get used to each other. And you get familiar. And sometimes familiarity causes you to lose a level of excitement. Now it's a choice. If you are there, it's a choice to stay there. But where I'm at in my relationship with God and in my marriage, my wife isn't here today. She's, she got called out to a, um, a visit somewhere. Um, but uh, I'm excited every day for the opportunities that my relationship with my life, with my wife that is coming, and where I'm at in, with my Savior. It is uncomfortable. (laughs) Can I say it that way? It's uncomfortable. (sighs) Jesus keeps revealing new things about me. And yet I look at this topic of God with us, Emmanuel, and I want Him to be with me. I, I want Him to go everywhere that I go. I'm uncomfortable with some things about myself that I'm still dealing with. And so God is taking me down a journey that I had no idea was part of the plan. And I figure if God through 1,100 years and 27 generations can bring about the fulfillment of Christ. What He's calling me to, He is able to accomplish. I started thinking about all the dreams and visions that I've had for this place. (laughs) Some things that I wanted to divorce myself of. uh, you know, our, the new building, it's like, God, I re- would really like to divorce myself from this new building idea. Because I've not seen you do everything that I thought. I thought we would be so much further along. And, and this week, I felt like God began to say, listen, <laughs> I never said it was going to happen tomorrow. And I never said it was going to be easy. But when it comes about, it will be as miraculous as anything that I've ever done. But I have a choice. I can divorce myself from it because it is so uncomfortable and I have no control over it. See, I believe God is calling many of you to new things and new endeavors, to new ministry, to new new opportunities. But it means you must surrender the control to God and say, God, I want 
to experience you in new ways. I want Emmanuel. I want God with me today. And that means I must be willing to relinquish control to you. Are you willing to do that today? If our worship team could come. I'm glad I didn't give you any notes that you were going to have to keep track of because I had no idea that we were going this direction. And I wouldn't have, my notes would not have aligned to this either. So we're good. But I believe God is wanting to do something in you today in a special way. And I don't know what that is. That's okay. I don't need to know. But what I need you to be willing to do is to pursue God to the point that you're willing to embrace the miraculous. When you fully embrace who Christ is, you're embracing the miraculous. And you are saying, God, I will go where you go. I will say what you say. I will do what you do. Because I want to be in line with you. I want to be with you. Bow your heads with me if you would. so uncomfortable when it comes to completely surrendering all that we are and can be to you. We give you enough control to satisfy our own internal thought processes. give you enough control to feel as though we've done something and yet we still maintain a level of control that prevents you from being who you truly want to be and doing what you truly desire to do. Today we come to surrender to you the control that we continue to hold on to. You sent Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. to be with him as long as we're able to control the relationship so today we say we surrender to you all control we trust you 
we trust you. This morning, if you are in the midst of a battle and you are struggling to surrender control to God, I'm just going to invite you to come. To come to this altar, begin to pray, begin to seek God, begin to surrender to Him that which you have struggled to give up control of, and let God meet you today. Let Him be God with us in this moment to bring transformation. Whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you're struggling to let go of, just come. Let us pray with you. Our prayer warriors will gather around you and begin to agree with you in this. God knows how to keep that which has been entrusted to Him. Eleven hundred years and twenty-seven generations didn't prevent Him from bringing forth Christ. Church, God is able to do all that He has planned to do in your life if you will surrender to Him. As our worship team ministers to us here this morning, I'm just going to invite you to come.
Uh, week and a half as we approach uh, Christmas. Uh, take time to celebrate every day, to worship every day. Uh, to spend time in His presence. God wants to do something special in you. Um, just to give you the ability to prepare, remember in our um, communication we sent out um, today is a special along with our general tithes and offering um, uh, we are going to receive a uh, harvest offering and this is for uh, the development of a ministry in Haiti um, and in your um, pew are these sheet your offering envelopes so if you would do me a favor if you have a special offering Please make sure you put it, we're just going to receive the one offering, so put your special offering in here, indicate it for Haiti, and uh, that way as our uh, treasurer and our people go through, they're able to see that, and uh, I just encourage each of you to bring an offering that it would be able to bless work of the church there in Haiti and the things that God is doing there. Also, next Sunday is our um, children's Christmas program, and we want to, uh, you'd all be aware of that, there'll be the adult drama uh, that'll be beginning that, and then our children's Christmas program, but we also come together at um, 9 o'clock, we do breakfast together, so it's a potluck breakfast, so we invite you to bring your favorite breakfast foods next Sunday, we're going to have a great time of fellowship downstairs, uh, celebrating, and then uh, uh, we will, our kids will come upstairs and prepare, uh, so that's next Sunday, on Christmas Eve, 6 p.m., we have a special Christmas Eve service. Um, there'll be some dramatic readings along the way, as well as some carols and communion that'll be part of that night. We invite you all to come out and be part of that. And then we just encourage you to, to worship with your family. I know there's some uh, different parties going on this coming Wednesday in different groups. Um, our adult class is bringing your favorite uh, Christmas-style um, treat to um, adult class and we're going to have that upstairs I don't know what the other groups are bringing in but we're going to have good food in the adult class so I invite you to come out and be part of that also tomorrow night is our Discover School of Ministry class um, uh, Kevin will be sending out some information regarding our grief share because this coming Thursday night is our um, preschool Christmas program and so uh, they'll be utilizing that room. And so he's going to be communicating some options uh, on our grief share night. What's going to be happening with that. And so just be aware of that. Now, 
um, before we receive our offering, just so you know, um, this week is a difficult week for uh, Kevin and his family. Um, it was a year ago this week that they lost their uh, Ella, um, and uh, she uh, is still a very fresh memory for them. And so she was 17 months old, and she died just a little over a year ago. Um, and so we're, uh, we are going to put together just a little meal uh, support for them starting tomorrow night. Tabitha is going to be taking uh, care of that for us. And so if you would like to sign up to bring a meal um, uh, to the prophets, um, Tabitha, you can sign up with them. She also has a card that you can uh, sign if you would just like to communicate your prayers and your thoughts for them as they are in the midst of their, um, their grief still. And so uh, we just want to be a blessing for them. So if our um, ushers could come, we're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We pray your blessing on this offering that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your uh, church. We also pray for the the ministry that goes forth in in Haiti. Um, Father, I thank you for uh, all the work that is already being done there and what you're about to do. And I pray that you would bring in uh, from our church just that portion to add to the kingdom of God and what you're doing. Um, We thank you. Bless each offering. Bless each giver. In your name, amen.